Amen. Isn't the Lord good? Amen. I, I was uh, talking with somebody the other day, and they were a little surprised that uh, I think sometimes uh, when you pastor for 29 years, you think, well, I've preached that before, and that before could have been 20 years ago. <laughs> and the crowd has changed, and the folks have changed, and uh, I think it's good for us to hear uh, the Word of God and you know, every service, and uh, it's very important that we continue to preach what we believe and what we expect to happen, amen, and so uh, I know there's all kind of things in the Word of God uh, that are very, very special, uh, and God moves when the preacher preaches any select passage of Scripture, but uh, somebody was mentioning the other day, they were surprised at one of the one of the children, and they weren't quite familiar with one of the Bible stories, and they s- said, "You know, I I thought they just would know that." And when you start thinking about that, when uh, if you don't articulate the truth to every generation, Amen. Pretty soon they don't know about David and Goliath. Nobody tells them about David and Goliath. We just expect them to know uh, because we know. So that's the basis for what I'm going to share with you tonight. I want you to know that as the pastor of this church, I believe that everything God says we can have, I want us to have it. Amen. Everything He can do, I'd like for Him to do it. When uh, when you're sick, I would like for Him to heal your body. (laughs) I believe He can still part the waters of the Red Sea. And uh, I, I know we believe he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Somebody say amen. So I refuse to let somebody say, well, that part of God, he doesn't do that anymore. Well, hope that doesn't apply to your healing. Usually that applies to something that uh, maybe someone hasn't experienced Uh, But I want everything he says I can have. Amen. Somebody say amen. And this is very, very important. So uh, some of this, obviously tonight, uh, you might think, well, he's preaching to the choir. So every once in a while, the choir needs preaching too. Amen. So it'd be good if if, uh, you got a pen or piece of paper or got your cell phone, you can make make a few notes. We're going to read out of John chapter 3, verse 1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Somebody say amen. First he said you can't see the kingdom. Secondly he says you can't enter the kingdom. Verse 6, that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound. Everybody say, hear the sound. You hear the sound of it, but canst not tell whence it cometh or whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. In the New International Version, it says it this way. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb and be born. Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of the water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Don't ever forget that. Flesh is always flesh. Spirit is always spirit. They can't, you can't mingle those two. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows where it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So is everyone, amen, that is born of the spirit. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your blessings. God and your spirit that's poured out in this world. I thank you, Lord.
that your word is forever settled. I pray, God, that the expectation of our hearts would be lifted tonight to a brand new level in Jesus' name. Lord, we're believing you for an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in our communities, God. We're believing you that the truth is going to move through the streets of every community, God. I pray, Lord, that you would move in our hearts. Touch us tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't go to sleep tonight. Amen. It's cold outside, warm in here. God bless you. You may be seated. Born again. Everybody say born again. Born again. How often have you seen this phrase in news stories or magazine features? It seems like everything and everyone is born again. A restaurant changes its menu, it's labeled born again. Man changes his job, his career is born again. A quick search on the internet produces hundreds of sites, many of them religious But there's an odd assortment of other uses for the term born again. Born again is actually a trademark for a line of skin creams. Born again is actually a used bookstore. Born again is in the motorcycle industry. Born again is uh, is, uh, a company that recycles furs for teddy bears. All kind of things born again. One of the greatest of all biblical terms has been stolen emptied of its meaning, dragged through the mud so that being born again can mean almost anything or mean nothing at all. Can I get an amen? I think it's time that the apostolic people rescue it and return it to its proper place. Today when a person says he's born again, we can't really be sure what he means. He may not be sure what he means. The mere use of the word tells us almost nothing. Born again, it's a term thrown around very frequently. So tonight, I want to focus. The new birth is of absolute and vital importance. It is the hinge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is a subject which lies at the very basis of salvation. It is the very groundwork of our hopes for heaven. And I want to go there. Anybody want to make heaven, you better get ready because it's getting close. As we ought to be careful about the foundation of our homes and our buildings and what we're about to build on them, we ought to surely be diligent to take heed that we are really born again and it's not just a byword or a Christian uh, slang word. Born again is a very serious issue. There are many who think they are born again and they may not be at all. That's the facts. If we had lived in Jesus Christ's day and had been forced for some reason to choose one person to go to Jesus uh, to represent us, a man that would embody uh, our culture, our uh, education, uh, ethics, uh, religious piety, Nicodemus would have been the pick of the litter. <laughs> Nicodemus was, had everything and yet he had a hunger for something spiritual. He had the truth, he had the law of God, he was, uh, his achievements, he was a Pharisee. One of the primary characteristics of a Pharisee was their seriousness of, of the, the law of God. In fact, let me give an example. The, let's just take, for example, the law of the Sabbath. The Bible simply said, now be careful here, the Bible simply says to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And then it says, don't do any labor on the Sabbath day. Just remember the Sabbath, keep it holy, and don't work. Now, the Pharisees were not content with don't work. They spent hours and hours and generation after generation defining what work is. (laughs) And isn't that the way people are? When Jesus said, you must be born again, they're going to quibble and tear off and cut away and well it's maybe this maybe that and they got so precise they tried to tell how many sticks was uh, if you have so many sticks that's work but if you have less than that that's not work (laughs) that's what happens in the human mind everybody okay and so they spent generations trying to define what work was and uh and uh they they muddled it up. (laughs) That's the best words I can use. 
John not only says that Nicodemus was a Pharisee, he was a, ruling of the, a ruler of the Jewish council. That means he was a member of the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin was a group of 70 men that had jurisdiction over every Jew on the face of the earth. They conducted trials, investigations, heresies. They wrote laws. In other words, Nicodemus was a member of the Supreme Court. So this is the kind of guy that shows up to Jesus evidently realizing that what he has is not all there is. Nicodemus had everything, power, position, prestige, wealth, but something was missing. He comes to Jesus and he says, we know you come from God. We know you're a a teacher, but we know you are of God because nobody can do what you've done unless God be with him. Jesus recognizes the hunger in his heart. And he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Somebody say amen. Perhaps you have a long list of achievements as well, but something's missing. Maybe you, uh, maybe you are successful. Maybe you found fulfillment in education or power or prestige or maybe money is the satisfaction of your soul, but something doesn't seem right. Like Nicodemus, our greatest need is to know God, to be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Somebody say amen. Amen. Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Now, what's interesting is he said it three times. I think, uh, you know, my mother, when (laughs) you didn't want her to say it three times. Usually they'd say it once and then they'd start counting. I'm not sure what the counting was, but down around where I'm raised, when some mother starts counting, you know what she's counting for. She's not practicing (laughs) She's fixing to practice on you. (laughs) She's not showing you how smart she is and how well she knows her numbers. (laughs) Make your bed. One, two. (laughs) Maybe that was my time out and I didn't know it. Jesus said it three times. Everybody say three times. John 3, 3, Jesus answered and said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. John 3, 5, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom. John 3, 7, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. Jesus said it. He said it three times to the same fella. I don't know how hard-headed Nicodemus can be, but Jesus is obviously trying to get this very religious man to understand something. That it doesn't matter how religious you are, you must be born again. No, you're not hearing me. I don't care how many scriptures you know, Nicodemus. I don't care how many books of the law you've memorized. You must be born again or you cannot see the kingdom. And if you're not born of water and the Spirit, you can't enter the kingdom. Jesus said it, I believe it, and I think we ought to all believe it. Clap your hands unto the Lord. Jesus said it. Now, you got, you got an issue with him. Don't, don't crucify the mail carrier. Jesus said you'll never enter heaven unless you're born again. That's tough words nowadays because everybody's going to heaven. The Muslims going to heaven. The Buddhists is going to heaven. Harry Krishna's disciples are going to heaven. Everybody's going to heaven. Jesus said, you're not going to enter heaven unless you're born again. It's that simple. That's the simple word. I can't put it any simpler. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you'll never see it and you'll never enter it unless you're born again. Just as all of us have experienced a physical birth which made us a part of this world. If we want to go to that world, that spiritual world, we must be born also into it. Just like being born physically put me in the physical world to enter into his spiritual kingdom, I've got to be born into it also. And you cannot evolve into it. You can't become a better person into it because that which is flesh is flesh. It's always going to be flesh. But if you want to enter the spiritual kingdom, you've got to be born of the spirit. Oh, clap your hands under the Lord if you believe that. Amen. And it's happening. 
I said, it's happening. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's happening. We baptized Greg. I'm looking for him. Is Greg here tonight? Greg's not. We baptized Greg Sunday, and he come out of that water and started speaking in other tongues. I come down there and shook his hand. I, he said, man, it happened. I said, yes, it did. I said, you got the Holy He said, I got the Holy Ghost. I asked him later, uh, later that day. I saw him a little later. I said, how you doing? He said, man, I've never felt better in my life. He said, man, God did something for me. I got a text the next day, his Lutheran pastor, he said, uh, they said he, he called his Lutheran, ex, his former Lutheran pastor, and he said, I got baptized in Jesus' name, was filled with the Holy Ghost. His Lutheran pastor started asking him questions about it. <laughs> Folks, we can't take for granted what we've been blessed with. This is a born-again people. This is a born-again church. Amen. It's a mark of distinction. I'm not embarrassed about it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first, then to the Greek. Oh, clap your hands unto the Lord right now. I want to be a part of his heavenly kingdom. I'm hurrying. Jesus said two things you cannot see. Everybody say you can't see. Everybody say you can't enter. He said both of those. In John 3. He said, Nicodemus, you can't see it unless you're born again, and you can't enter it unless that birth is a particular kind. It's born of water and spirit. Somebody say amen. This is very important. This is very important. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, listen up right now. This is the most important part. All right, listen. Look at 1 Corinthians 2.14. Look at this. Look at this. I know you're all smart. I know you got incredible wisdom. I know you learned a lot of stuff in school, and I know time has taught you a lot of things. I know you got gray hairs of experience, and they testify that you are wise. But you are only worldly wise. You only have natural wisdom. 1 Corinthians 2 says, The natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Look at this. Now, you may know motors. You, you may know computers. You may know people. You may know how to do taxes. You may know how to open accounts at a bank. You may know how to put a sermon together. But to know spiritual things, you can't receive that naturally. We can't have a class to teach you how to be spiritual. <laughs> the natural man cannot receive the things of the Spirit for their foolishness, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Listen to this. Jesus said, Nicodemus, you can't see the kingdom unless you're born again. Do you realize unless you are born again, you cannot understand spiritual things? Oh, wait a minute. I read the Bible and I know this. And I, absolutely. But there are things that in the Spirit are foolishness to you. <laughs> Hey, Paul said it. Don't, don't shoot the mail carrier. He said, I want to tell you, you can't understand spiritual things in your natural man. But he that is spiritual judges all things. He understands. This is why you need the Holy Ghost and you need it every week. No, you're not hearing me. This is why I need to experience God and be renewed in the Spirit because there are things I may go through next week that if I don't have my spiritual eyes on, I won't understand what God's doing. I've had good people, people that I thought were full of the Holy Ghost, said, Brother Gene, I don't know what this is. I don't know about that. And I don't know. And it was just almost as plain as the nose on your face. Anybody that had any spirit could understand what was going on. This is what we need in this hour a church full of people that are full of the Holy Ghost. Am I okay? Turn to your neighbor and tell them I've heard this before. There is in every believer a life which is not to be found in other people. I'm going to say that again. Every born again believer, there's something in them that's not to be found in other people. They can understand spiritual things that other people don't have any understanding of. Education cannot raise the natural man into it. A class can't show it to you. Neither can it refine it in you. <laughs> 
That which is born of flesh, the best it's ever going to be is flesh. To see the kingdom, you must be born again. I want to see the kingdom. And then Jesus said to Nicodemus, you can't even enter the kingdom if you're not born of the water and of the Spirit. No one can have the spiritual rule of God in his life unless he's born of water and of the Spirit. Oh, I know the Lord. Oh, that's true. But the Bible says that there'll be many that knew him that even did great things for him that he didn't know them. I've said it before. If President Trump walked in here, every one of us would know him. (laughs) But he wouldn't know any of us. There's a lot of folks that know Jesus. (laughs) Everybody okay? In fact, I want to go a little further. Nobody can have joy, peace, and righteousness, which the Bible says is in the Holy Ghost, until you're born of the water and the Spirit. Now, wait a minute. I know. Wait. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that I can't have peace and righteousness and joy unless I'm born of the water and of the Spirit? What about people that have joy? Let me say something to you now. Uh, There is an experience with God that we can receive. In fact, let me give you an example of it. When a person is, is, is sorry for their sins and they feel conviction in their heart and it doesn't matter what church, it doesn't matter if they're at their house or driving down the highway, they begin to feel that godly sorrow and they begin to pour out their heart to God and they repent. <laughs> it feels like a million pounds come off their shoulders. For me to tell that man you don't feel anything, no, what you have is not real, that cannot be true. But I can say, because the Bible says it, you cannot enter the kingdom unless you are born again. Now you felt something when you repented. Oh, but if you're ever born again now, there's going to be joy like you've never... Oh, I know you felt your goosebumps. The hair stood up on the back of my neck. I never felt better. Oh, Jesus said it. You cannot enter into the Spirit unless you're born of the water and Spirit. Somebody say amen. Come on, give the Lord a good hand clap right now. Yes. Oh, yeah. I want to tell you, before I was born again, I felt God. I experienced God. I felt conviction. I cried. I worshiped. But I want to tell you, the lasting joy and peace that passes understanding and righteousness, the power of righteousness, that only comes when you're born again. Somebody say amen. In short, the Lord's words to Nicodemus tell us how to be saved. The question, how... Can I be saved has the same answer as the question, how can I enter the kingdom of God? The answer of Jesus himself is, you must be born again of water and spirit. It's that simple. You must be born again. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Now I tell you, I'd rather hear the words of Jesus about this matter than the guy that graduated from the Dallas Theological Seminary. Brother Aaron, he may say, well, what Jesus meant was, if you just believe on him, then all that's taking place. He may be saying, well, if you, if you just uh, accept him and, and recite the sinner's prayer, I, I find where Jesus made no mention of that. Jesus emphatically said it would take a birth for you to enter into the spirit world. And he did not say, I wish you were born again. He said, you must be. In fact, he used the term, except you are. This is an exceptional message. (laughs) This is an exceptional gospel. In fact, you're exceptional people. And this is an exceptional church. Because except you're born again, we can't see God move. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Nicodemus is not sure what Jesus is saying, so he says, how can this be? John 3, 9, Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? Jesus said, Art thou a master in Israel? No, it's not. Look at this. Jesus, I think it's up there. Jesus said, wait a minute. You're Mr. Smarty Pants. You should know this. 
You're of the Sanhedrin. You're a Pharisee. You're, you're on the Supreme Court of Israel. Are you, tell, are you a master in Israel and you don't know this? How can Nicodemus know what Jesus was talking about? Well, Ezekiel 36, verse 25. Then will I sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean from all your filthiness, from all of your idols. Will I cleanse you? A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you. (laughs) Wait a minute. If this guy was a Pharisee, he knew these verses. And he knew the Lord had said through the prophet Ezekiel that he was going to sprinkle water on you and take away your filth. And he was going to put a new heart in you by putting a spirit in you. And Jesus says to Nicodemus, are you a master and you don't remember what Ezekiel said? Everybody okay? Turn to your neighbor and tell him I'm getting sleepy now because I've heard all this before. Jesus is surprised at his ignorance. In fact, I want to tell you why he should have known. Because John, John 3, 14, look at just as Moses was lifted, lifted up the snake in, in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, and everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. Jesus links the new birth to his death on the cross. I want to tell you why else Nicodemus should have known. Because Peter knew on the day of Pentecost, he quotes the book of Joel. He says, in the last day, saith God, I'll pour my spirit out upon all flesh. Nicodemus knew this. Somebody say amen. And just as the serpent was lifted up, so shall the Son of Man be lifted up. I want to tell you, it's by the blood on the cross that we find salvation. I'm not, somebody say amen. For God, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life, everlasting life. And that verse right there is in the same passage where he's talking to Nicodemus about being born again. I want to tell you, if you believe, the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, believers will speak with new tongues. We ought to expect it to happen in every service. We ought to expect spirit baptisms in every service. We ought to expect, we ought to expect water baptisms in every service. I'm not going to water down the gospel and say, well, that used to happen a lot, but it doesn't happen anymore. People have to be born again if they're going to see the kingdom, and they have to be baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost if they're going to enter the kingdom. Somebody say Amen. And I'm hurrying. Look at 1 Peter 1.23. Being born again. Everybody say born again. Peter, this is the guy that preached on the day of Pentecost. He says here in his epistle, uh, chapter 1, verse 23, being born again, how? Not of corruptible seed. That means human seed. We're born of incorruptible seed. And what is that incorruptible seed? The Word of God. Everybody say the Word of God. That liveth and abideth, how long? (laughs) Only a couple hundred years? No, forever. Somebody shout forever. So what that's saying is we're born again by incorruptible seed, which is the Word of God. Folks, we're going to be governed by the Word of God. This is going to be a church that preaches the Word of God. And if Jesus said you must be born again, we ought to preach it. Because it is the Word that abides forever. In short, the Word of God is the origin of salvation. The new birth itself consists of water and spirit. And it happens when we believe. It happens when we obey. It happens when we answer the Word. Somebody say amen. And just as God delivered Israel out of Egypt on the Passover night. Somebody say amen. The lamb was slain. That's a type of repentance. And when he led them out of Egypt, he led them straight to the Red Sea. In 1 Corinthians 10, Paul tells us they all went through the water just like every believer in this church. We repented, we went through the water, and then the Bible says they were covered by a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud, which was the Spirit. There was, they drank from a rock. 1 Corinthians 10 tells us what that is. They, they exemplified repentance, baptism, and walking in the Spirit. Look at the tabernacle. When you walk in the tabernacle, the first thing you see is an altar. We need the altar. We need a place of repentance. Uh, 
Somebody say amen. The next thing, when you get done repenting, when you go around that, you, you walk up to a laver. That's baptism. It's, it's plain. It's there. And then there are five pillars, and you take off a garment of heaviness, and you put on a garment of praise. Oh, praise God. <laughs> you know, I don't know about it. I'm having a good time up here, although I've heard this before. <laughs> then they walk in the Holy of Holies. And the light in there is from the oil in the candlesticks. You don't get the natural light of the sun. This is a, a type of walking in the Spirit. Repentance, baptism, and spirit life. It's all over the Old Testament. Somebody say amen. It's just, it's so important. And most importantly, the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Death is dying out to the world. It's repentance. Burial is being buried with him in baptism. And his resurrection means I am walking in new life. Somebody say amen. So the command on the day of Pentecost, Acts 2, verse 38. <laughs> then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. I encourage you... Uh, You've got information. You're two clicks away from, from loads and loads of information. I'd like for you to study church history and find out what happened just after the apostles died off and how people were baptized in those early days in the first, second, and third century. Just find out for yourself. It's there. They were, Peter was not disobeying Jesus in Matthew 28, 19. He didn't disobey in Acts 2, 38 when he said be baptized in Jesus' name. He did not say be baptized any old way you want. No, Jesus is the way. He is the truth and he is the life. He is the only Savior and he has the highest name. So we're going to keep preaching it. We're going to keep expecting it. We're going to tell every man and every woman, it matters. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Oh, yes. Oh, come on, somebody praise the Lord now. It's that important. The question, how can I be saved, has the same answer as the question, how can I enter the kingdom? The answer of Jesus himself was, you must be born of the water and of the Spirit. Thank God for a preacher that looked at me and said, expect everything that happened in that Bible, expect it to happen to you. Oh, you didn't hear me. I had a pastor that looked me right in the eye and said, expect everything that happened in that Bible, expect that it can happen to you. Anybody in this room ever had any seas that parted for you? Anybody in this room ever had some walls come crumbling down for you? Anybody in this room ever been baptized the way they baptized in that Bible? Anybody ever been born again the way they were born again in that Bible? It's more than a history. It's an expectation. I'm born again of incorruptible seed, the Word of God. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Well. Come on, Sherry. Play a song I've heard before. Because I'm preaching a message you've heard before. Folks, I don't want us to ever, amen. You know, it's one thing to get off in Proverbs. It says, you know, it, it's, a, it's a great Bible study. I love it. It's a great Bible study. That passage in Proverbs, Proverbs. Proverbs, it says, all the labor of man is for his mouth, but his belly is never full. I'm sorry. If I see a squirrel run through here, I'm going to pay attention. Some people can just, you know. All the, labor, that's right. All the labor of man is for his mouth, but his belly's never filled. Might better answer it. That's all right. If Frank was here, he'd answer, hello, no, I'm in church. I'll call you back. <laughs> he would. That's all right. It's all right. I was preaching away one rally. I had my notes all there. I'm preaching away, and I didn't turn it on airplane mode. And all of a sudden, a picture of John Urshan comes on. He'd fallen off his bicycle and busted his head wide open and covered all my notes up. And there he is looking at me with his head bleeding. 
trying to get dear Lord get that off there I said come on let's worship the Lord let's pray lift up your hands and I'm anyway never mind everybody say repent repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost repent Matthew 4 17 this wasn't the first this had heard of from that time Jesus began to preach repent for the kingdom of heaven is here Mark 1 14 John was put in prison Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news the time has come he said the kingdom of God is near repent Luke 13 3 but unless you repent you too will perish Acts 17 30 in past God overlooked such ignorance in times past God winked at ignorance but now he commands all people everywhere to repent Acts 20, 21, I've declared both to both the Jews and the Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. In the Old Testament, God's message was to repent. Noah's message from the steps going up to the ark was not something good is going to happen to you today. No, you didn't hear me. Noah didn't stand on the top of the ark and say, hey, expect the blessings of God. He's going to prosper you today. <laughs> no. His message was, it's fixing to rain. You better repent and you better get on this ark. There's a lot of people telling everybody, hey, God wants to be good to you today, but they're not telling people you need to repent. That's, oh, that's not a popular message anymore. In fact, that'll empty churches out. They want to go to the one where they say, hey, something good's going to happen to you today. But I want to tell you, unless you repent, you shall perish. That's the facts. Amos was not confronted by the high priest of Israel for proclaiming, oh, confession is possession. No. Jeremiah was not put into a pit for preaching, I'm okay, you're okay. No, he was thrown into a pit for saying, you better get your act together. John the Baptist was not beheaded because he preached, smile, God loves you. Is everybody hearing what I'm saying? You remember what John the Baptist preached, right? Yeah. The two prophets in the tribulation, and they're coming. They will not be killed for preaching. God is in heaven, and all is right with the world. Everything's okay, and we're all going to the same heaven. No, they're going to be killed because they're going to tell this world, you better repent. People always want to kill the guy that says, you're not right, and you better get right because Jesus is coming. They don't want to hear that. Instead, what, what was the message of all these men of God? Simply one word. Noah, Amos, Jeremiah, John the Baptist, the two prophets that are yet to come. Repent is the same message. Repentance involves a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change of direction. It's not joining a church. No, it's saying I'm not going back that way anymore. I'm not living that way anymore. Somebody say amen. At repentance... Man allows God to turn him around. <laughs> no, you didn't hear me. Man allows God to turn him around and say, no, you're not going to go that way anymore. <laughs> That's what repentance is. It's going another way. Somebody say baptism. Born of water. And, and it's water baptism, not near, merely a human ceremony, but the work of God that is performed when somebody is baptized. When we're baptized, our sins are remitted. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Buried with Christ. Somebody say Amen. Peter asked with respect to Cornelius in his household in Acts chapter 10. They just received the Holy Ghost. And the Jews that were there said, we know they got it because we heard them speaking in tongues. And Peter turns to those gathered there in chapter 10 verse 47. Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized? Listen, the early church expected a spirit birth and a water birth. Peter said, it's not good enough for you to just have spiritual birth. You need to be baptized. Somebody say amen. We need to celebrate it. I'd love to see every Sunday somebody baptized in Jesus' name. I'd love to see every Sunday somebody filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> oh, let's lift our hands right now and say, Lord, do it. Lord, pour it out in Jesus' name. Lord, we're, we're expecting. 
We don't, don't want to just settle for a history book of what used to be. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, somebody say praise the Lord. God remits our sins at baptism. So baptism must be a part of the new birth. For how can there be a new spiritual life until the old life of sin is erased? <laughs> Titus 3 and 5, in, compare, in companion with John 3, 5, look what it says, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. How? By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Regeneration means a new birth. He says, first of all, you're washed in it. He described a specific act of washing. You must be baptized. Acts twenty two sixteen. arise and be baptized, washing away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. It's plain. Well, I don't know if I need to be baptized. Well, people say you don't need to be baptized anymore. It's in the Bible. Let's just obey it because that's the incorruptible word that birds you into the Spirit. I want to see God pour out His Spirit in this community, this church. And not only born of the water, which is baptism, but born of the Spirit. Jesus said man cannot be born again by his own exertions. He can't be born again by thinking it. He can't be born again by knowing the Bible. A man may reform himself. He may even do better for a while. In fact, any man with any self-discipline can master a system of externals. Make all the rules you want. Just go look at the Marines. They didn't show up that way. They, they didn't make their bed. They never polished their boots. They didn't care what their hair looked like, but when they went in the Marines... Buddy, they could bounce a quarter off that bed. Yeah. Any man can follow the rules with a little self-discipline. Just because you got your hair a certain way and you dress a certain way doesn't prove you're born again. Anybody can say, okay, tell me the rules and I'll do it. That's not spirit life. That's flesh life. Oh... A man can cast away all kind of vices. He can quit smoking and quit drinking, forsake pornography and conquer his evil habits, but no man in the world can make himself be born in God. You cannot do that. You cannot accomplish that except a man be born again. You must be born. This is so important, church. Listen. Uh, Chelsea could probably... Uh, if I gave her the last 10 minutes of this, of, this, of this sermon, she could do a better job at this point. We get real, we get real nervous when we, people start talking about the, the advances in the study of DNA in humanity, in people. Because there are certain groups that say, well, I can't help it. I'm, I'm, this, this is the way I'm born. And the fact of the matter is, they're right. They're right. Chelsea quoted me a statistic. She said, of all incarcerated individuals for violent crimes, 90 plus percent of them have a certain genetic marker. They're not even of the same family. But they all have the same genetic marker at a certain point in their DNA. You're just going to excuse that? You're just going to say it doesn't exist? When man sinned, what happened? What happened? When man sinned, did he just have a bad day? No. The Lord told him, when you sin, you're going to die. And we know the life's in the blood. This is why he required an animal sacrifice, Erica. Because the life is in the blood. And if the life's in the blood, then death is in the blood. And if an eternal creature standing in the garden who would live forever that didn't know any impurity, all of a sudden sins, he becomes genetically flawed. He... <laughs> The natural man doesn't understand spiritual things. His mind is off course. His blood is off course. This is why the Bible says sins of, a, of four generations can be passed down to people. 
Everybody okay? <laughs> I know they told you you were a little angel when you were born, but something happened along the way. No, you were a little devil when you were born. You were selfish when you came into this world. You were self-centered. <laughs> you want everybody answering to you. You scream when your diaper got wet. You scream when you were hungry. And you're still screaming now. Well, I don't know whether he was such a sweet little boy. Now he's just gone haywire. No, he was born with his back to God. He's on his way to hell unless God turns him around. That's the facts. We are born in sin. This is why you must be born again. You can't... You cannot change who you are by just going to a class. You have to have a spiritual birth. I love CR, Alcoholics Anonymous, Drug Court. You just list it all. Life development, Genesis class, but you cannot enter the kingdom by going through Genesis class. You must be born again. And I'm going to say to the saints, you got to keep on being born again. you got to keep on being renewed in the Holy Ghost. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord. Dear Lord. In the salvation of every person, there is an actual putting forth of God's divine power. God wants to make me a new man. Except a man is born of the water and the spirit he cannot see. The change is radical. I want to tell you without God, my story could be a lot like my dad's. Without God, your story could be a lot like the fellas sitting in jail tonight waiting for their court date. No, you're not hearing me. When you're born again, there's a radical change that happens. It makes us love what we used to hate and hate what we used to love. It sets me on a new path. It makes my habits different. It makes me different in private and different in public. It makes my thoughts different. So that being in Christ, it is fulfilled. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Oh, we need to be new creatures. You can't be a new creature unless you're born again. You'll always be flesh, but you need a spiritual birth to be a new creature. You'll always battle the same old stuff. Well, I go to church. I'm saved. I go to... No, you'll not enter unless you're born again. You got to be a new creature. I'm preaching tonight, if you hadn't received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you need it. It's not optional. I don't care what the pulpits say all around this world. I'm telling you right now, Jesus said, except you're born again of the water and the Spirit, you cannot enter nor see. Oh, let's lift our hands and love the Lord right now. I'm hurrying to a close. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we're going to close up here. I want to say just a few more things. The book of Acts teaches that we receive the Spirit when we are baptized with the Spirit. You know, I think there's some people that think while they were asleep in their bed, dreaming about hamburgers and pizza, And they woke up and they felt different. I was baptized with the Spirit in my sleep. Really? How do you know? I don't know. I just woke up and thought, I'm filled with the Spirit. Now I know my family, I'm a pretty special guy. I know if I just kind of be born and, you know, probably the day after I was born, I was filled with the Spirit. Nothing happened. I just felt pretty special. In the book of Acts, they knew when somebody received the Spirit. 
They knew. Emphatically. They didn't say, and just walk up, well, okay. I, let me give you an example. I got a good friend that used to believe people were should be baptized and filled with the Spirit, but he, I guess he got tired of the pressure or something. And a good friend of mine, he asked him to come preach for him, and he went to preach, and he told him, he said, now, uh, the service is, is uh, it flows pretty quickly. He said, we don't have anybody in the pulpit. There's stuff that comes up on the screen. It's, it's, it's worship time, and so the lights come on. The worship band worships and praises. And there's nothing wrong with that. And he said, it comes on the screen. It's giving time, and so the ushers get in place, and everybody gives. And he said, and just be watching the screen because it'll say it's, it's preaching time, and, and that's your time to go take the microphone, and you'll have seven minutes. Seven minutes. So my good friend said, you know, I tried to go seven. He said, but I couldn't go seven. He said, Lord got to moving and people got to worshiping. And I went past seven and he said, I got done with the service and I got ready to close the service. And the pastor come up and took it. And he, he said, okay, let's all bow our heads and pray. And he said, we all bowed our heads and prayed. And he said, it just kind of over. And he dismissed everybody. And he said, we went back to the office. And he said, there was an old gray-haired couple, old gray-haired lady and gray-haired man. They, they come knocking on the pastor's door. My good friend sitting in there with him, with the pastor. They come in, they're weeping. They said, Pastor, we're concerned. We're, we're concerned. And said, we want to talk to you, but, you know, in private. And he said, oh, no, it's okay. We can talk here. And they said, well, we're concerned. We're not, we're not seeing anybody baptized anymore. We're not seeing anybody filled with the Holy Ghost anymore. We're concerned. He's, he said, oh, 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 we had seven this morning receive the Spirit. When? How do you know? My good friend sitting there said, I'm telling you right now, when I got done preaching, he shut that service down, said, let's pray a dismissal prayer. And everybody left. And then he told that old couple, seven people got the Holy Ghost today. How do you know? This is a dilemma, folks. This creeps into churches. That people just wake up and say, okay, now I'm born again. I lived like a devil last week, but now I'm born again. No, how do you know you're born again? In the book of Acts, they knew. They knew when somebody was born again. They knew. I'm going to let you read it for yourself. Jesus told the disciples, Acts 1 and verses 4 through 8, He told them, wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for it. Everybody say, wait for it. Listen, I'm going to tell you, saints of God, I'm going to tell you good people of God, good folks that are here tonight, whether you attend this church all the time or this is your first night here, I want to tell you something. Jesus said, there's a promise for you, and it's so wonderful, you ought to wait for it. Don't let anybody talk you out of it. Don't let anybody say, well, that doesn't happen anymore. Don't let anybody say, well, when you woke up today, you had it. No, he said, it's so wonderful, you ought to wait for it. The promise of the Father, go and wait until Jerusalem, until you get it. Now, I don't know how long in those 10 days, Brother Aaron, some of them said, well, I, I think I just belched. Maybe that's it. Now, now I don't want to make fun of anybody, but I want to tell you something now. In this world in which we live, born again is just about everything. I went down and shook the preacher's hand. I'm born again. I'm telling you, friend. When you're born of the Spirit, you know it. <laughs> and you know what? Everybody else that's born of the Spirit knows it. <laughs> Is everybody okay? The disciples received the promise of the Father on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 and 4. It says they were filled with the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Peter promised the same experience and he called it the gift of the Holy Ghost in Acts 2 to all the onlookers. Cornelius and his household received the very same experience. The Bible describes it several ways. The Holy Ghost fell on them. The, on them was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. They received the Holy Ghost. Peter identified it as both the gift and the baptism of the Holy Ghost. In short, Acts equates all the description of the Spirit's saving work with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It still happens today. Just like it did in the book of Acts. I'm expecting it. I'm expecting it again this Sunday. 
I must stress the new birth message in every way I can to every man I can. One is either born again or they are not. And if you're not, you will not enter the kingdom. I want to go there. So I'm going to wait for it. I want to tell you, I did a lot of waiting for it. I felt bad about my sinful condition. Every time the preacher preached, I thought he was preaching at me. And I'd go to the altar every service and I could not get the Holy Ghost to save my neck. I remember seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven year old boy going to the altar every service. I still got my little red Bible. Red, I'd sit on the front row, my little red Bible, and every scripture my pastor would read, I'd turn to it and underline it. I want to make sure he's reading it right. <laughs> when he'd get done, I'd close my Bible and I'd go to the altar. Lord, fill me with the Holy Ghost. I'm going to be lost if I don't have the Holy Ghost. Lord, I need the Holy Ghost. I'm going to go to hell if I don't have the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Had some old ladies pray with me. Every, the Schellinger twins, they were old maids, never got married, and they were on up in years. And they had the most horrible breath you've ever smelled in your life. Smelled like they had been embalmed already. <laughs> they hadn't taught altar workers to have a breath mint. They're, oh, Lord, I can smell it right now. Maybe that's my breath. Schellinger twins, they'd pray with me and Hallelujah. I thought they were saying halitosis. <laughs> Hallelujah. I got out of the spirit quick. I want to tell you right now, it was on a Thursday night. My mother got desperate. There was a little movie showing, and I know, well, back in those days, you didn't play football, you didn't play basketball, you didn't go to the movies, you didn't read books, you didn't do nothing. You prayed all the time. <laughs> Somebody had the, had the movie they were showing on a Thursday night, Thief in the Night. Anybody remember that movie? It's about the coming of the Lord. I've seen it since then. It's kind of funny, you know, how they simulate the rapture and... This man's mowing his grass and all of a sudden the mower's there still running and nobody's pushing the mower and the lady's at the kitchen at the this is a this is an old movie. She's in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, the man's mowing the grass, man. <laughs> Woo! Old movie. <laughs> she's standing in the kitchen cooking stuff, you know, on the stove, not in the microwave, but she's standing in the kitchen stove and all of a sudden the camera pans around and goes through the sunshine and then all of a sudden the, the potatoes are boiling over and the steam's rising oh, she's gone I'm sitting in that movie house and I want to tell you right now I got so scared to death I knew the Lord was coming that night that movie got over I was so shook up my mom said you ready to go home I said no I'm not going home she said where are you going I said I want you to take me to church right now and I want you to have the pastor come baptize me we left that movie house <laughs> or wherever it was. It may have been a church for all I remember. I didn't even know where it was. I so wanted to be ready for the rapture. I said, I'm going to the church right now. She called my pastor. My pastor met me at the, at the church and it was me and my mother and my pastor. And there we were in that dark, empty church in the, in the baptistry. And he prayed for me. He said, when I baptize, he's going to wash your sins away and he's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. I want to tell you what, friend, I was desperate. I was desperate. I didn't want to be lost. And you'll get the Holy Ghost when you get desperate. When you realize you need it and you wait for it. Oh no, I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep believing. Come on church. Let's not short circuit it. Let's, let's travail on through so somebody can be born again. I, I, I'm done. I'll tell you what. My pastor put me under that water 12 years old. 1976, March the 27th. When I come out of that water, I want to tell you right now, it felt like electricity hit me on the top of my head. Went all the way through to my feet. I remember Brother Kyle opening my mouth trying to say, I love you, Jesus, like I'd prayed for five or six years. And I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. But when I opened my mouth, I love you, Jesus, didn't come out. I was speaking in a heavenly language. And at first I was surprised. It was almost like it was somebody else. It was like I was standing beside myself listening to me talk in a strange language. 
And then I realized what was happening. And then I began to rejoice in the Lord. I want to tell you right now, it's real. Tell you right now, it's real. And there's preachers that'll tell you, no, it doesn't happen, but this is one fella. You came too late. I want to tell you right now, it's real, and it's just as real today, and it's going to be just as real tomorrow. Come on, church, let's stand. Come on, right now, let's believe God for a great outpouring. Lord, we want to continue to believe the new birth. We want to preach the new birth because unless we're born again, we cannot enter nor see the kingdom. Lord, I'm praying right now for an outpouring of your spirit. Lord, I thank you for saints of God that believe. I thank you for saints of God that have been miraculously filled with your spirit. Their lives are forever changed. But Lord, don't let us be silent in this hour. Lord, don't let us succumb to the pressure of this culture that says that doesn't happen anymore. That's not important anymore. Lord, we want to continue to preach and teach what you called us to preach. You told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Thank you for the new birth message. Pour it out in this community, God. I was driving in the middle of the night down in South Louisiana. I got a phone call. In fact, the phone call was joined. It was what do they call it? Uh, yeah, whatever. He was at his house. He was at his house, and I was on my cell phone. We were all three-way talking, whatever they call that. Okay, thank you. Party line, I started to say. <laughs> you know what generation I'm from? This fella, this fella's right here in this community, right here in this community. Pastor Gene, we, we got some questions. We heard you were the you would you would know what we're talking about they start telling me uh, what they'd experienced and what had been what they'd been praying for I want to tell you right now friend the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not for any special group of people Lord wants to pour the spirit out in every group of people in every home in every church I'm not going to tell you what church he goes to but we were on the you know, we had a prayer and fasting revival in the summer, and that was the one we, you know, you could do a prayer walk if you wanted. And I did a prayer bike ride. And I was riding through neighborhoods. God, bless this home, Lord. Bring these people to a revelation of who you are. Fill them with your spirit, God. Pour out the miracles. I'm, dri- I'm driving by, and all of a sudden I turn the corner and I start down this road. There he is, standing out there in his driveway. And I thought, oh, there's a real live person. Nice to pray for houses, but then there's a real live person standing out there. Oh, no. Should I ride on by? And all of a sudden, uh, you know, I've got my prayer music in my earbuds, and I look up, and he sees me. Oh, oh. No, I'm busy praying. Oh, he starts waving. I stop, pull my ear. Pastor Gene, Pastor Gene. How you doing? How's the church? He calls a few names of people in this church. You know them? I know them. Oh, those are good people. Those are great people. He doesn't, I'm not going to say what church he goes to. But he, said, he said, I said, I'm on a prayer ride. I'm praying. We're praying over the homes in our city. He goes, oh, oh, he said, pray for my wife. She's in there. She's sick. So we went in and prayed for his wife. He said, oh, and pray for our church. He said, we need revival, Pastor. We need revival. We need the Spirit of God to be poured out. I want to tell you, people are hungry for the truth. (laughs) And I want to tell you, in a world where everybody's telling lies, preaching the truth is a revolutionary act. And I want to tell you, friend, we're not going to be silenced by the pressure of this age. We're going to be a new birth church. We're going to be a Spirit-filled church. I want healings. I want bat. I want to see God move in the way He's always moved. Come on, reach over right now and pray for something. Lord, help us. Help us to believe like never before. Help us to be desperate in every service. Help saints of God that are full of the Holy Ghost. They know what birth is about. They've been born. Help them, Lord, to give birth to somebody else. Help them, Lord, in an altar to pray somebody through to the Holy Ghost. Help us to expect it to happen. 
Lord, I'm believing you that while the singers are singing, the Holy Ghost is going to fall. I'm believing you while the preacher yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost is going to fall. I'm believing you that the wind is going to blow through this community. I'm believing you, Lord, that the fire is going to fall in this community. That there's going to be a revival of the Spirit in this community. I want to be a part of it. I want to be counted in, Lord. I still believe, Lord. I'm still standing on your incorruptible word that abides forever. (laughs) Standing on your promises, Lord. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. It's happening. I said it's happening. In Jesus' name. Let it be, Lord. You know what? Sunday we had a great service, but all this, you know, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, the Lord just kept saying, (laughs) you get what you preach. And I thought, well, Lord, I'll tell you what I want to preach. I want to preach about the Spirit being poured out. I want to preach about revival. I don't want to get up here and say, I know it's bad. You're, you're discouraged, but hold on. You know, it's going to be. No, I want to preach. We're born again, and we need to be born again, and we need revival in this community. So that, we're going to just preach it until it happens. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, oh, I've heard all that before. <laughs> Nicodemus, you're a doctor in Israel, and yet you don't know these things. We've heard it all before. So let's expect it to happen Sunday. When somebody comes to the altar, let's not look at them like they're a new horse in the yard. Somebody comes to the altar and we go. You see now? Pastor, go pray for them. Matt, go pray for them. No, you go pray for them. You got the Holy Ghost? (laughs) <laughs> All right. somebody say amen hey if they dismiss class back there Corey, they dismiss class already could you tell them all to come in here I got another sermon I want to preach no I'm teasing <laughs> I'm teasing sorry squirrel just ran by God bless you you're dismissed in the name of the Lord turn to somebody and tell them I'm expecting God to move this Sunday amen